Today we're going to talk about Jesus, of course, um, but we're going to we're going to dive into some things about our relationship with Him. If you're a Christian, you and your sin belong to the Lord. Your sin is proprietary to him. It's his ownership of it that demands its proper place in our lives. We commit the sins, but those sins belong to him. In a way, when we, when we sin and when we hold on to our sins and we don't give those up to Jesus, you know, that, that type of response, um, if it was my kid and she was doing something and I, I said, you know, this thing that you're doing needs to stop, she didn't fork it over or cease to behave in such a way, I would, I would get a little suspicious of what she's doing with that, with that attitude or with, with that item or with that behavior. And so the, the main emphasis, emphasis of, the, of this passage is, is that that literal sin, it has it has an owner, though, though you committed it, you can own it, you can own the decision to act on it, but the actual sin, its consequences, uh, its, its containment, um, it belongs to the Lord. We, as Christians, as believers, need to remember that we still sin, um, I think, this is where the road kind of splits for some, uh, where we can go down a, a road of rule and law in order to protect our sinlessness uh, after, after receiving forgiveness from Jesus and just, okay, nose of the grindstone, I'm gonna behave, I'm gonna respond and, and live out in such a way that you're never gonna see sin in me no more. It's gonna be structured uh, behavior, that, that, that barriers uh, my life and, uh, or a person's life from, from ever potentially screwing up that, that way again. And, and that'll work for a while, um, but eventually there's gonna be holes in the fences that we build and, and it's, it's gonna leak through. Um, but also, you know, as as those who have received God's gift and the sacrifice of his son, uh, if we're not tempted to go down a rule of, I mean a road of, of rule and law, we may, um, we may be tempted in, into, uh, into just kind of taking God's gift for granted. Or uh, we may just end up rolling around with sin ongoing sin, struggling with sins of a certain type, um, 
as part of a process and, and never really um, letting Jesus have it. We're willing to take his work on the cross for us and, oh, that's good, you know, and I'm glad I got that insurance policy type of response. Um, but there's an ownership, again, that God wants to have over that, where he wants to remove it from you entirely. At some point, he may allow um, a weakness to develop into a strength over time. I, I've certainly um, got two or three uh, types of sin that I've had to, it, it's, been a, it's been a process. There's been times where God's given me a little bit of a lightning bolt, hey, that's no longer a problem out of the way and I'm good. And then there's other ones. I'm, I still struggle with being angry at my fellow man while I'm driving in the car. I, 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 I don't even like the way I sound when I'm, when I'm yelling at the, 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 the intelligence of my fellow man yelling, but it, like, you idiot. You know, I say that a lot. And then I hear my voice like I'm in a canyon. It's kind of echoing back at me. Man, I don't like the way I sound when I say that. I really wish I didn't sound like that. I really wish I didn't say that. And, and I know that God doesn't want me, oh, defaulting to that type of attitude towards other people, people that have been created in his image just as much as I have. And so giving that to him has been a process. And, uh, and he owns it. I mean, it's, it's his. He died for it. So, you know, it's... It's something that, that has to take uh, help from the Holy Spirit and to be transitioned from. So those, those are kind of the two avenues of, of sin and where we can go with it and what we can do with it apart from actually giving it to Jesus and letting him have it. Um, what's interesting is, is behind those sins, um, there's another layer. And uh, I think the last time I taught, I was... I was teaching on uh, Mark uh, chapter 7, I think, 7, 9. Let's see if I bothered to write it down. I thought that I did. I'm pretty sure it did. Um, lame. I forgot the address, but it was in Mark, um, where he was talking about uh, the hearts, and there was there was something I I went over. Um, in, in the last time that I taught, but it was something I, I really wish I had the chance to drill down on, and so I kind of uh, am picking this time to do that. Cell phone is... Res what? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I believe you. My cell phone reception here is so slow and poor that I, I can't flip through my phone like I wish I could. So anyways, we, we know the story, though, because Jesus is 
confronting uh, the Pharisees and the, the law bringers and, and his own disciples at this point. And, he, and he's, he's saying, it's not the thing that you take in that makes you unclean, but it's what comes out of you and it's your hearts. And, and when he's talking about that, he's not just talking about the disciples and, and their own desires of their heart, but he's also talking about the law givers because it's out of their heart that these guys are are trying to hammer these things home to the to the culture, saying you have to live this way and you have to abide this way if you want to be considered godly and, and right before God. And that's what I'm referring to earlier. There's kind of two roads you can go down where you can go legalistic and, and avoid avoid um, the consequences of your sin or, or becoming a sinner or being a sinner or dealing with your sin. Or you can kind of go down the road of, of like... Uh, you know, just just rolling with it and, and letting it sit there. Um, but I wanted to talk about the layer under the layer. So we have this sin. We know what it is. Uh, you know, fill in the blank. And underneath that sin, though, is, is the motive, is the desire behind that sin. So there's something that uh, inwardly that we're... We're trying to uh, to make match up, to make meet, to satisfy, or to come to an end, and we determine that uh, a sinful action is going to be um, is going to fill in the blank for us in, in whatever that is. And so we have these desires in our hearts that uh, that lead us into sin. These desires are are the hotbed of. of our efforts and our endeavors, and they, they reside in the heart, and that's why Jesus is coming for you in, in that area. That's why he's coming after his disciples in that area. He's not, he's not trying to get into people's hearts so that way he can make sure that all the bookshelves are lined up and everything's in a row and that they're all good and spotless and everything's been wiped clean and, okay, you're good. God will see you now. And he's not getting in there just to just to see what kind of mess you've made um, if you're still in sin, whether you're trying to hide it or, or not, just so he could point out that, oh yeah, you've got, you've got, you've got mold growing underneath your cupboards. You know, you, you, you've, got, you've got stuff in here, yeah, that's for sure. You know, he's not just a housing inspector when, when he wants into these people's hearts. He's trying to get in there and be there because he's trying to take care of sin. And that's, that's, that's a process. But ever since the garden, uh, this has been his plan. This has been his remedy to that situation. And when he's there, or when he, you know, as he tries to get into our hearts and, and, and work with what's there, again, those desires are the things that he's after. Um, more so, perhaps, than the actual item that's there, the actual sinful item that's there. If I have lust in my heart, and Jesus doesn't want to be in my heart just so that he can take a lust away. He's not a, just a garbage man. He wants to get in to the thing that fathered that lust, that covetousness, that 
that desire. He wants to get into that soil where the seed was planted and turn that out. And that, that soil, that, that hotbed of, of activity, that cauldron inside of each of us, those desires, again, this is, this is like my second major point, is those desires are, are what God genuinely wants. It's the thing be, beneath the thing. It's the thing behind the thing, under the thing. The desire behind the sin is, is where Jesus is really trying to get in. Um, because the desires are what, kind of the origin before any sin happens, it, it starts at a desire. When we look at, you know, the first sin story in Genesis, um, Genesis 3, 6, Eve, when the woman, Eve saw that the fruit of the tree was good, she saw that it was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. She desired it. Before she actually took it and ate it. Her desire became her husband's, which leads me to uh, another point about desire in general. Some of the mechanics of desire, you know, this is, these are the things that, that we can ask ourselves, like what am I desiring? Why am I desiring it? Uh, how is this desire working its way out of my life? I think these are all safe, self-analytical questions that we can ask. Um, but desires is not just an original idea within each of us. I think our desires are contagious in a lot of ways. We can look towards influences for our desires. Um, Vero, you, you know some things about France and the French. Where are you, Vero? There you are. Have you heard of Rene Girard? Gerard? Yeah, some people might have really recently uh, given quite a bit of worthy mention about um, a sociological idea of what he termed mimetic desire. And leave it to the French to find another way to use the word mime, right? Mimetic, mime, mime, mimetic. I think it means to mime, to mimic. Um, I think that's just funny. French and mimes. I mean, does anybody else know that? I mean, that's where that whole thing came from, right? I'm not a good mime. I was going to try there for a sec, but nah. Mimetic desire. It's a, basically another way of saying it's kind of contagious. Our desires are contagious, but they're not just uh, contagious like a cold. Um, if, we, if we look at why we have desires about things, uh, look at the way they come about. Uh, this, this fellow, Rene Girard, or Girard, uh, he suggests that uh, we desire according to the desires of others um, because 
what we go after has been modeled to us by somebody else. So we've seen something, we, oh, I want that. I'm gonna really strive to get that, or that thing really means something to me. I, I wanna have that, but it, it's the thing behind the thing is we saw somebody else either having it or doing something in some sort of way to where we thought, yeah, I'm gonna be like that. And advertisers and marketers understand this wholeheartedly. It is the mechanics of the uh, advertisement agency. They always show somebody satisfied with whatever it is that they're offering. And a smiling face, 99.9% .9 of the time on anything that you can buy. Because that's a, it's just a template for, oh, he has something that's good for him and I want something that's good for me. I'll, I think I want what he has. It's a real basic worm on a hook. And, uh, and it works. And uh, I think it's really super interesting when we start to get our sins to Jesus and, and get to the desires behind those and, and get to what made me desire that, um, it, it, can be, it can be kind of interesting. Not that you get the luxury of, of like uh, Eve or Adam did. Oh, the woman gave me the fruit. You know, it's her fault that I took it and ate of it. I had a mimetic desire based on, on Eve. <laughs> if she wouldn't have done it, I wouldn't have done it. You know, type of thing. Um, we, we, we don't get off the hook. If, if, we, if we chop the hook with the worm in it and that, that hook's in us, that's on us. And, and we, need, we need God to set us free. But uh, um, where's it going to go? I think the, the mechanics of our desires uh, are worth, worth pulling the curtain back on. Uh, whether it's a, a form of peer pressure or, or maybe we don't even realize why uh, we have that desire. Um, we might want to look at it. And I just did some of this. Uh, glory be to God that he's a God of real time, here and present in this moment, and completely aware of everything that we're going through and contemplating and doing and working on and all of our needs and all of our deficits and everything like that. He knows me. And uh, I mean, just, just this week, I was really struggling with something that I, I had to get prayer for. And I had to, to pray on Tuesday night in our men's group. And, and fellas, if you ever need prayer, um, even if it's on behest of your uh, wives and children or coworkers or people that you know, our men's group, we're down to pray. And uh, we'd love to pray with you and for you. So you can come find us at Calvary Ballard on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock. But I showed up there uh, this Tuesday, and I've been working on, on something. That, I've been working on this sermon and working on my thoughts about desire, and I've been working on a desire of my own, darn it. And, and I'll tell you what it is. Um, it's an old Toyota four-wheel drive with a Chevy V8 in it. And even on the grill, it says Shavoda. 
C-H-E-V-O-T-A. So it's a Toyota Chevy. It's, a, it's got a V8 motor inside of a Toyota frame, like 1970-something thing. It's a, it's a tough four-wheeler. And, and I won it. And I want it so much that every time I look at it, I can't not want it. It's really weird. And I thought, well, how can I get this thing? You know, maybe the owner would give it to me because I don't have the money to buy it. But if he knew how much I wanted it, he's not really driving it, maybe he'd give it to me as a gift or something, if I expressed interest in it. And it just, it was a distraction from my mission to this guy. And this guy was my neighbor. And I'm supposed to be serving him and, and blessing him. That's, that's, what, that's what kind of started my relationship with this guy, is with Tara and I were bringing him Christmas cookies and then he got ill. And so we started bringing him food every every couple of days. And it was just messed up because I'd, I'd have a container of food and I'm gonna go do my active service and you know, be on the right foot about what I was doing and then step out the door and boom, there's this truck and it's just like <laughs> Such a distraction, my heart being pulled towards this thing. Man, I felt wrong for wanting this thing. And I felt wrong for having it intertwined with my active service towards him. It really messed up. I don't, has anybody ever had that? Anybody else done that? Where you're, you're just trying to serve somebody and, and then there's this other thing that you want along the way. And you almost feel corrupt, but, but I didn't act on any of it. Then I might have talked to him about it a little bit, like, hey, when was the last time you started that up or whatever? I did express a little interest. I couldn't help it. I was trying to have a conversation with him to spend more time with him. Uh, but I had to pray about it. I, I had to confess it, for one. I had to confess it. Like, I was embarrassed. Like, man, I got this thing, this desire that ain't... Just isn't sitting right. It's not nothing. It's not going anywhere, but it just is taking up time and space. And what do you think, guys? Will you pray for me? Pray for me. And then, man, the Lord is so faithful to say, you know, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth that are going to rust and moth will destroy. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's on. That's on point. That was. That was the next day. And. I read that in his word. I'm like, oh, so that was a heck of a point. But our desires, they're there. And these can be good desires. Like you were, Abby was talking about desires for justice. You know, they, they take hold and we feel our hearts pining, groaning, pushing, maybe even pulling, being unsettled, uh, 
kind of zombie crawling on the ground towards something, you know, trying to get to something. But without, without coupling those to Jesus, desires can, can turn into sins. And, and Jesus wants those. He wants primarily to be in the backseat driving, driving our desires, keeping us, keeping us from sin. Um, some more on desire. And I think this is a great point. James is a good one to do a desire search on. If you do word searches in the Bible, James will come up a lot. James 4.1.3 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, here it is, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. The thing behind the thing behind the thing that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So how do we engage with our desires in such a way that they do honor God? Fortunately for all of us, God has rolled out the ocean of grace for us to jump into that because of his generosity and his faithfulness towards us, we don't have to approach him knowing that we're contaminated with these desires, um, with apprehension or fear of condemnation. And the Bible supports this in so many ways. 1 John 3.20 says, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. He knows everything. So we can go to him because we know he already knows. It's not a surprise. It's more often a surprise to us that he knows what he does. It's never a surprise to him that, that we know something and we bring it to him and we inform him, well, hey God, I don't know if you knew this, but I've got this thing going on here. Uh, I'll fill you in. No, he already knows. And uh, what is that? He knows our thoughts before we speak them around. There's, there's that whole like future tense, eternal knowledge that God has that before you even arrive, he's already seen it, heard it. Crazy. Wild. Other ways that uh, we can come to God in, in confidence with our desires and uh, that are supported by Scripture. Uh, Ephesians, Ephesians 3.12 says, In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence.
and you know, we're Christians. We don't, we don't get to do that, you know, based on our own merit, by that rule of law, that, that attitude of law. We, we get to do that because of what Jesus has done. Um, so let me just run it back here again. Our sins belong to Jesus. Our sins come up from desire. And so our desires might also need be given to the Lord, belong to him, allow him to have those. I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell two stories. And let's see if I can do this without tripping everybody out. I heard this story. Did I hear this story? I did more than hear this story. I think the story was actually told to me. Told, told to me, given to me. Uh, because it, it happened, and you guys are not allowed to bug out on this and come back to me and tell me, ah. It happened in a dream, okay? So I'm gonna talk about a dream that I had only with the precondition that you're, you're not gonna come up to me after the sermon and you're not gonna go to Mike or, or anybody else and say, dreams are wacky and you need to figure this out and help me figure this out. That's not what I'm presenting this for. That dreams and, and what they mean and uh, the importance of them that's, that's too big of a subject to, to, to derail where I'm trying to go with this today. I would encourage you to, um, to let God be God in your imagination and in your dreams and in your desires. He will guide you through um, what you're able to, to see and understand. He wants to. He's, He's Lord and God over all. But I'm gonna share these dreams with you because I, I, they were a gift from God. And, and I, they're so meaningful that I've actually, I'm able to bring them around over, I've had, I had this dream probably eight or nine years ago before Elodie was born. And I'm able to just lift it up like I had it last night and go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So here goes. Scene one, it's dark out. I'm outside of a fenced off area, chain link fenced area. And I kind of like I'm in line like a, to get into a club or a show, some, some f large facility. And I know that I really want to go there. I know I want to be there, uh, but I want to be on the other side of the fence. And it's my turn in line to get up to the fence to go in. And, and why I want to be there is because I want to be uh, a part of what's going on inside. And I also want to contribute to what's going on inside because I have this artistic persona, this artistic characteristic talent 
thing that I want to lump in with the good time that everybody's having on the inside. I mean, you can see through the fence, people are mingling and, and laughing and, and kind of partying and there's music and, and all kinds of cool stuff. Like I said, it was kind of like a nightclub or something. And uh, I get right up to the door and the guy at the door says, you can't come in unless you have something to give us, something that we all enjoy and, and really like. And if we don't like it, you're out of here. And if we do like it, we're gonna want you to do it again and again and again. We were gonna want you to give us something that we're really gonna like and again. And if you don't, you're out of here. I thought, man, I don't know if I want to be a part of this. And then he says, and when you leave, either now or if you are allowed in and then asked to leave, you'll take those stairs there. And these stairs are like, whatever that angle is, like less than 45, maybe 42, really steep. And I just, they just, whew, they just go down into black and I don't, I don't see the bottom of them. And I look up from the top of the stairs and there's a sniper tower inside of the club. And it's sitting right over the stairwell. And so when you leave, it is then your challenge to, to get out and not get shot in the back. And I was like, what choice do I have? I'm taking the stairs. And I remember propelling myself down the stairs and counting down what I think it's going to take for dude to get his sight on and pull the trigger, dive over the rail and into the black. And there's, there's, there's a little more detail in there afterward. I do remember that on, the whole thing was built on garbage the whole hillside, the steep hillside that the facility sat on this club that was thriving, that I wanted to be a part of. It was all built on a hill of garbage. So that's scene one. But note that I desired to be in there. I desired to contribute. I desired to partake. I, I wanted to. I really, really, really wanted to be part of what was going on there. But there was, a, there was a little bit more of a fee attached to that than I think I was prepared to pay. And then, you know, as dreams do, they switch scenes, you're somewhere else with someone else. And this is light. And this is a, a daytime event. I remember the previous one was dark, like rainy. Um, this is daytime, and I'm in this house, and there's a bunch of people milling about, and there's one particular friend of mine that, that I remember being there. And it's a really cool vibe. It's a, it's a creative culture vibe. There's artists there doing stuff, kind of like Caldera's daughter over there working on her craft. Bless her. Bless any of you guys who are creative. Um, and I, I don't really know where I'm at. I just know I'm in a house and there's a function going on and, it, and it's got a really cool vibe and everybody's free and easy. 
certainly doesn't feel like there's a prerequisite to being there. I'm just allowed to kind of hang out and, and see what's going on. Almost like a coffee shop type vibe, you know what I mean? Coffee shop's busy, you just get to go in and see something interesting and then settle into your own groove, whatever that is. Um, and I go into the living room and I see a man and immediately I, I know that this man is the owner of the house. He's kind of the central figure of, of the community. And, and he's standing in the living room and people are talking to him and then he kind of fades off into another room. And behind him is the mantle of his living room. And on his mantle is a book and an object. And the book is a book of creative works that he produced that, um, that he used to communicate to people with, as art can be and is for. And on the cover of the book is a picture of him. I don't know how many of you people have seen the movie Reservoir Dogs. It's a, it's a bloody bank robbery movie. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty bloody, uh, enough to make your stomach turn. Um, but it, the cover of the, is not a picture of, of a bloody bank robbery, but it's as intense as that movie was. And to me, but, but the cover of this book that I'm seeing in, the, in this dream is, is a picture of him and two other guys and they're, they're 90 degrees crumpled up into the corner of a, of a brick wall and a concrete sidewalk and they're all kind of splayed out. And I think one of them shot and bleeding out and it's a newspaper clipping photograph. And, and there's a gun in the picture and I demise or surmise, oh, well, I flipped the cover open. I, this is a book, I flipped the cover open in the book and there's a painting of him and the same two guys, but they're underneath like a, like a smoky diner light hanging above them and they're sitting around a table and it's them hatching the plan to the bank robbery and the cover of the book is the result of the bank robbery gone bad. And it's this guy's story in the format of creative works and it's his testimony. Turns out the dude's a Christian. Turns out the dude is using his, the details of what God saved him from in order to communicate creatively to people around him to draw others to Jesus. And I just blown away by this guy because he's, he's hardcore and he's edgy and he's seen some gritty things. And I just, I just, I desire to be just like him. I think, man, who is this guy? He's so cool, I wanna be just like him. And then in the, on the mantle next to the book is a, a silhouette that I gather as a gun, but I can't immediately identify it as a gun because it's wrapped in leather all the way around, stitched up on leather all the way around. So imagine two pieces of thick brown leather folded over a little snub-nosed pointy gun from the 70s or something, you know? And it's all laced up tight all the way around the head, all the way around. And you, I'm just like, man, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I look, nobody looking, and I want that thing. Put it in my pocket, I'm like, man, this is the coolest thing ever. And I'm moseying and I go over to the other side of the house and all of a sudden I hear kind of a ruckus. Like, hey, where's it at? Where's it at? Anybody seen it? Where's it at? Where's it at? And my friend who's there, he comes up to me. He's like, dude, have you seen what happened? I said, oh, man. Yeah, I took it. It's like, oh, man. And I immediately feel 
everything that I wanted slip away from me. Because I got caught and now my my desire to be with these people, my desire to communicate like this guy does, all of that has just been snatched because of my stupidity. And I was like, dang, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen of or been a part of, and I just squandered it. And I hand the gun back, and as I turn around to walk out, I mean, I know it's, it's time to leave. One by one, the people gather around me. Such a vivid dream, you guys. God is so good. One by one, they're just just forgiveness flowing out their eyes. You don't have to leave. We forgive you. And it's just it's a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful expression of so much in those dreams. And I don't know if you pick up on any of that stuff, but one of the things that most symbolically struck out or strikes or sticks out to me is that gun wrapped in leather. And I, it wasn't until maybe a year and a half ago, also in our men's group through conversation, where I understand why that was so attractive. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it out here. I'm gonna almost riddle you this, Batman, and see if you, you can't figure it out. It's gonna, be, it's gonna be real quick and obvious here, though. Back to Genesis 3.21. But the Lord made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. First John 3, 5. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. Ephesians 3, 12. In him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here, exclamation point. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us The message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you all see how those puzzle pieces fit together? Does that all make sense from start to beginning there or start to end? What I started off with, our sins belong to God. They go into him. He takes those and he covers us. 
And then we have these desires that are so intertwined with those sins. And he wants those desires because he, he can tweak those things. He has a message of reconciliation that he wants us to be able to share with others. If our desires are pinned up on Shavodas or self or sin, then we need, we need to do some business with the Lord. If any of you here are, are not sensing this, this closeness that, that God wants to have with you, through his son, this this moment of eternity that he wants to go on forever and ever, where he forgets your sins and reminds you that he saved you, which I just find so fascinating. We give him something for him to forget and gives us something we never had so that way we can remember. It's just the trade-off. It's, it's held together in God. Please uh, spend some time assessing your desires. I know that the Holy Spirit uh, will ping you if he chooses about any number of things. And so it isn't through me um, exhorting you to register that, oh, that one thing, he'll, he'll let you know. Let's, let's, let's spend some time doing those things and treasure the uh, opportunity, the gift that is uh, the remembrance of Christ and his sacrifice, atoning sacrifice for us so that all these other wonderful things can be incorporated into our desires and, and we can move forward in, in the call that he's put on each of us.